I ask Jesus that you would just fill me with love uh, for your word, first of all, even more, and love for the the body here, the flock here, even more, and, and love for you. Fill me, Lord, so that I can I can just have the right heart and be in sync with your spirit and open all of our hearts, Lord, to what your word is going to teach us this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good. One way, uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek, that I like to describe the vision of our church is that um, we're passionate about urging people to stop going to church so that they can start being the church. That's one, one way we can put our, our vision. And the reason we, we want to talk that way is because in the Bible, church is not just a meeting you go to. It's not. But instead, it's a group of people, right, who are joined together in love, joined together in community, and joined together on mission. That's church. But the problem is that every single one of us in this room, whether you grew up in church or not, if you're part of the Western world, Canada, US, Europe, we've all grown up thinking the church was mostly a meeting you attend. That's just in the air that we breathe. That's how everybody thinks about church. It's, it's, a, it's a meeting you go to. And so the problem, though, is that that's not what the scriptures teach. And so we all have unlearning to do if we're going to experience what church life was supposed to be as taught by Jesus. Because again, when you, when you just, if you read the scriptures and just say, Jesus, take, take my blinders off, uh, just like, I'm going to start with just fresh and just take it at face value, what you will see. I mean, it is so exciting what you see. Is that church in the New Testament is, it's a group of people who deeply love each other. Deeply care for each other. Who laugh together and weep together and pray for each other who bear each other's burdens, who know when each other has burdens and bear them when they know that they have burdens, who help each other out financially, have a radical thought, who, who share the scriptures that they've read that morning with each other, who are patient with each other, who bear with each other, right? It's part of it too. Who join together to care for the poor together and for the widows and orphans together who encourage, support, send missionaries, pray for missionaries together. So church is a group of people who know each other, love each other, care for each other. That's church life. And we're passionate here at Mercy Hill Church about pursuing that, but to experience that, we all need to do significant unlearning. I do, you do, we all do. That's what we're passionate about pursuing. And the way that we pursue church life here at Mercy Hill Church is in our our home groups. And so since we're starting up new home groups in two weeks, I thought it'd be important to take two weeks and just talk about kind of the two uh, foundational values uh, in our home groups. I'm talking about community today and then mission, evangelism, mission next week. And so this morning it's community. And I think one of the most powerful passages about community in the New Testament, at least for me, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul talks about how we're a body. So let's go ahead and turn there. 1 Corinthians 12, 
I'm going to look at verses 12 through 27. If you need a Bible, um, raise your hand because we, we all want you to be able to open up the scriptures and study this passage with us this morning. We're all about the Bible here because the Bible shows us Jesus and Jesus is our Savior and, and so we love the scriptures. And so we want you to be able to have a Bible open and study this passage with us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. And the question I want to start off with is just simply this. What does it mean to be part of church? What does it mean? In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul describes church life. So let's ask the question to Paul, what would it look like for us to be, to, to be experiencing church life as it was meant to be, as it's described in the New Testament? And as I studied these verses, I saw five truths. There's, there's other truths here, but these are five that I thought were especially pertinent to us this morning in, in how we're pursuing church life. So the first truth is this, in verses 12 through 14, that church means being part of a diverse group of people, diverse, who are joined together in drinking of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's what unites them. They're united together by drinking of the spirits. Look at verses 12 through 14. Paul starts off talking about the human body because his, his whole analogy here is that church is like a human body. So verse 12, for just as the body, the physical body, is one and has many members, many parts, and all the members of the body, though many, are still one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Okay, now, in, in Greco-Roman culture in the first century, Jews and Greeks did not associate together. Slaves and free people did not hang out together. Quite the contrary. Those groups hated each other. Complete ostracism between those two groups. But if you would have walked into a gathering of the church, you would have seen Jews and Greeks embracing each other breaking bread, eating meals together. You would have seen slaves and free people laughing together, weeping together, praying together. You would have seen something that would have just stunned you walking into a church gathering at the time. So how did that kind of thing happen when in the culture it's ostracism, but you walk into a church gathering, it's love and unity. How did that happen? Paul tells us it's because they drank of the Holy Spirit together. All these diverse parts, Jew, Greek, slave-free, different people, age, socioeconomic, whatever, united in drinking of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now, what does that mean? It all starts with the fact that we all, all of us, have rebelled against God willfully. All of us have. We've refused to bend the knee before him. And we face God's judgment because of it. That's, that's where things start. Bad news. But the good news is, See, if you're trusting, loving Jesus right now, here's what's happened. What this means is that God, in lavish love for you and care for you and mercy for you, he reached down from heaven at one point in time and he changed your heart. He subdued your rebellious will. He gave you repentance, sorrow for your rebellion. He gave you faith so that you received Jesus into your life as your Lord 
as your savior, as your heart-satisfying treasure. And so because of God's work in your heart, at that point in time, that's what you did. You, you repented for your rebellion. You welcomed Jesus, Lord, Savior, treasure into your life. And you bent the knee. You surrendered your life in faith to Jesus Christ. That's what you did at some point in your life. And the moment you did that, God poured the Holy Spirit out upon you. At that moment, the Holy Spirit was poured into your life. You drank of the Holy Spirit. And what that means is that the Holy Spirit made Jesus real in your experience. So you felt his love for you and you beheld his glory and you experienced his presence. And that was so amazing because all your life long, you've been thirsty, 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 and you've drunk from all kinds of different wells, but none of them satisfied you fully. None of them satisfied you lastingly, but now you're drinking of the Holy Spirit and you are satisfied fully. And lastingly, it just transforms. So not only though are you transformed, you would also then have found that you love everyone who is also drinking of the Holy Spirit. You also would have found that you love those who are not. That's next week. Okay, this week we're talking about the special love that you would have Jews for Greeks, slave for free. Now I want to illustrate this. So I've asked four people, come on up here. Now's the time. There's your cue. Come on up. Quick little illustration here. I wanted to get a diverse group up here. We got diverse age. We got to just like stand in line right here. Okay, here they are, four people. Okay, not a lot in common, blue, whatever. Anyway, so, all right, fairly diverse. You know, we could have done better than this, but so here they are, diverse people. They're kind of looking at each other, saying, okay, whatever. But now, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they, you can open up and just like take a swig, okay? Drinking of the Holy Spirit, okay? Drinking of the Holy Spirit, drinking of the Holy Spirit, and now just watch what happens. Watch how this diversity, it's just, just going to change before your eyes, okay? Just, oh, see, I was already this, already is it? <laughs> okay, so drink, drink, and then, so you're, and then, okay, so now your heart thirsts are satisfied, and then you just find that like you're being drawn, so that, like group hug would be appropriate here, Okay. <laughs> Okay, see, look at that. Isn't that an amazing thing? Okay, let's thank our actors and actresses this morning. But see, see, we, this is, I mean, I know it's kind of fun to look at, but this is, this is absolutely true. Church life starts with a supernatural work in your heart. The kind of church life described in this book, you cannot pull it off just by gritting your teeth and disciplining yourself. It will never happen. Never happen. It starts with a supernatural work when you put your trust in Jesus and he gives you to drink of the living water and then you're filled and then you're satisfied and you will find that you love other people who drink of the spirit as well and you want to connect with them. Your heart is drawn to them. So the question I just want to challenge you with is do you know what it is to drink of the Holy Spirit? None of us does that constantly, but if you're trusting Jesus, and if you're getting time seeking him in the word and praying and crying out to him, you will experience that frequently. Not constantly, I don't, no one does, this side of heaven, but if you're seeking the Lord, you'll experience this frequently. Frequent drinks, frequent tastes. Like during worship this morning, we were tasting. I know many of us, you were tasting this morning, right? Oh, just drinking in. This morning, in the book of Isaiah, I just had a rich time. Just Anyway, okay, so 
And what you'll find then is that, is that you're drawn to people that are different from you in terms of marital status, single, married, ethnic differences, age differences. You'll love older people. You'll love younger people. See, there's this unity that will come. And so the church life that Paul describes here starts with a supernatural work where you are drinking of the Holy Spirit. That's where it starts. And when, when you are, supernatural things will happen in your relationships. Okay? That's the first point. It means being part of a diverse group of individuals united by drinking of the Spirit. Secondly, church means being part of a group of people who need you. You recognize that they need you in order to function. Look at verses 15 through 19. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? They they wouldn't be able to function very well. If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Couldn't function very well. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? So Paul's addressing somebody who says, well, because I'm not an ear, therefore I'm not needed by the body. And what Paul wants you to understand is that who you are, saved, born again, indwelt by the Holy Spirit with the giftings that you have, who you are is essential for a body. For that body to function, you're needed. That body needs you if you're going to function. Okay, so just let's just take this body here. If this leg isn't part of this body, okay, then I could still function, but a whole lot less, right? I mean, I, you know, I'd be like hopping around and I'd get really tired and I'd probably sprain my hamstring like Doug Walker did, right? Okay, anyway, all right, so the, the point is if, if part of the body is missing, the rest of the body can't function as well. The leg is crucial for my body to function. You, who you are as an individual, is crucial for a, some body of believers to function. There's a body that needs you in order to function. So that if, if you're not there, you're missed. Do you have a group of believers who, when you're not there, you're missed? Now you might think, well, wait a minute, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not a worship leader, I'm not a pastor, so what would that even look like? But see, worship leading, pastoring, those are just very small parts of the ministry. There's much, much more ministry that happens. The reason a body of believers needs you is because of your words of encouragement, your prayers, your, your wisdom, your sharing a scripture that you read this morning, your counsel, your forgiveness, your love, your bearing burdens, your laughing, your weeping, your praying, all those different kinds of ministries. You are a vital, needed part of a body of believers. Okay, so if you've been saved, there is a body of believers who needs you in order to function effectively. 
And if you're not part of a body of believers in that kind of close functioning, then there's a group of believers that are hopping around on one leg or without one eye or whatever it might be, right? They're not functioning as fully as they were meant to function. Okay, so just, just think about this. Church life means having a group of people who need me in order to function fully. Now that's true for every single one of you, whether you've known Jesus for 10 years or 10 days. You are a vital part of a body of believers. Do you experience that? Do you have a group of believers where that's the case? So Paul says, that's the second truth. That's what it means to be part of the body. Third, church means being part of a group The last one was, who need you. Now this one is, whom you need in order to function. Okay? Verses 20 to 24. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. It's probably referring to the internal organs, I imagine. That's what the commentators say. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. It's probably referring to the sexual organs, is what the commentators say. So here's what Paul's getting at here. The eye can't say, I don't need you. I mean, just let's just say, for example, that you're an eye in the body. Okay, now, if you are an eye, and you're like all by yourself, like right down here, okay, I mean... I guess, I mean, we know physiologically you really couldn't see anymore, but let's just say you could see, but you couldn't do a whole lot about what you see, right? You're just like looking. Okay, you, you, know, you really can't go anywhere, and you're getting hungry, right? Okay, see the problem? So you're an eye, but if you're not part of the body, you need the body in order for you to function. Well, let's say that you're, you're a hand, and, and so here you are, and let's just say that you're handled by yourself. Now, I mean, you could, you could still get around, you know, all right? Um, but not very well, and you couldn't see where you're going. Okay, I'll head stuff like that, all right? So, so the, the point is, you've you got to see yourself. You are a body part, and you can only function fully if you're part of a body. I mean, think, think of how ludicrous it would be. What if, what if, a, what if a hand said, I'm going to just take a little time off from the body, um, or let, let me, I'll come at a different angle. What, what if somebody said, I'm going to take time off from the body of Christ, from being really part of the body, so that I can just develop my own walk with the Lord stronger? Or so I can develop my own marriage, get my marriage strengthened, or because I really want to like, get some time as, with us as a family together, or because I want to develop my career. That would be like a hand saying, I'm just going to take some time off from the body here so I can really accomplish things much, much better. Do you see how ludicrous that is? See, you are part of a body. You're a body part. They need you in order for the whole to function. You need them in order to function as fully as you were meant to function. Do you see that? Now, do you feel for a moment how radical this is for us in this very individualistic culture? There's other cultures where this would go down much easier. It's like, whoa. See, it's not that you... See, you are part of a body. When you're born again, you're baptized into a body. Okay? There's some body of believers who needs you and who you need in order to function most effectively. Do you feel that? 
This is an amazing thing that Paul says here. So do you have a group of brothers and sisters whom you see as the fact that you need them in order to function most effectively in your walk with the Lord, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your work, in your life? Now, oh yeah, I'm glad I remembered to say this. This could be misunderstood. Uh, some of, depending on kind of your temperament, some of us are wired to uh, be too dependent on people more than on the Lord. So if you misunderstood what I just said, you could really be set up for making an idol, an idol of people. So let me try to put it this way. You do need brothers and sisters to function fully. But what you need them to do is to help you connect with the one who you really need, which is Jesus, right? You need them to help you trust Jesus, who you really need. So what do you need them for? Just to make sure we're all clear, to help you trust Jesus, the one who you really need. But you do need them. You need them for that. I mean, there's no such thing as Lone Ranger believers. You're, you're a body part. But, I mean, so often in the church it looks like, ew, body parts spread all over the floor here. Eyes rolling around, you know, and ears listening intently and hands crawling around. It's nuts. Why don't you guys come together? You look better and you can get a lot more done. Okay? But see, we're very individualistic in our culture and we're just used to just hanging out lies, you know? Okay? <laughs> All right, so that's, that's the third, third point there. Now, fourth, this ne- these next three verses are astonishing. Verse 24b through 25, church means being part of a group who all, all know and care about each individual's sorrows and joys. 24b, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to, that, to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And then he explains what that same care looks like. Verse 26. If one member suffers, one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This is astonishing. It's an astonishing description of love and closeness. It means that if you suffer, then church life means having a group of people who all know that you're suffering and they're suffering with you. It doesn't just mean having one or two friends who know you're suffering and glad that they're suffering with you. It means having a group of people who all know that you're suffering and suffer with you. And if you're rejoicing, same thing. It means you have a group of people who all know that you're rejoicing and they're rejoicing with you. It's just kind of like the way your body works. If you stub your toe, your whole body's going to know, right? Ah, whole body. Or if you eat, like, eat a chili reno, your whole body's going to be like, yes, okay, right? Are you guys awake? See, you're, that's how your body functions, okay? If part of your body's hurting, your whole body's going to know. If part of your body's doing good, whole body's going to know that. Now, think about what this means, though, in terms of size of group that can pull this off. We're not a big church, but this group here is, I think, too big to pull that off, unless if we spent like 24-7, right? It, it's got to be a smaller group. I don't know exactly, I mean, the Bible doesn't ever say size, but just if part of what it means to be experiencing church life means you're part of a group where they all 
know each other's joys and sorrows, that has implications for size. That's why we pursue home groups, smaller, smaller groupings. Okay, so ask yourself, do you have a group of people, not just one or two friends, but a group of people who all rejoice when you're rejoicing and who all weep when you're weeping? God has a group like that for you. Wouldn't you love to be part of a group like that? And there's a group who would like you to help them be that kind of a group too. Fifth, church means living as part of this body all the time. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Paul doesn't say you go to the body of Christ on Sundays, maybe Wednesdays or Thursdays or Fridays. He says you are. This is who you are. You are the body of Christ. You are individually members of it. This is who you are all the time. All the time. How effective would you, I mean, just think about your body. How, how effective would your body be if the only times it was together were Sunday mornings for a couple hours and like maybe Thursday night for a couple hours? That'd be kind of, do you guys get this? Are you listening? Okay. I mean, it, it wouldn't work. It'd be ugly. It'd be kind of gross, you know, frankly. Me too. So what this means is that we are the body. This is your identity as a follower of Jesus means that you are part of the body. So what this, I think, means by implication is that every day there should be some kind of connectedness going on with you and some other people in the body of Christ. Not in a legalistic way, like I'm supposed to do this, but because, remember, you're drinking of the Holy Spirit, he's satisfying you, he's securing you, you're full, you love others that are connecting with Jesus, and so you want to. How are you doing? How's your walk with the Lord going? How can I pray for you? Let me show you what I saw about Jesus this morning. Let me encourage you. How are you doing? Let's, let's go tell somebody else about Jesus. You, you want to have that connection, and so when you're drinking of the Spirit, you will have this, this compulsion, this propulsion, this movement towards other people every day. And so every day there will be connectedness going on, having coffee together, phone call, email, whatever. That's church life. So are you part of a group of people where you're you're connecting together? We like to call it seven-day-a-week Christ-centered missional community. That's church life. Okay, so see those five truths? See why I say this is such an amazingly powerful passage about community? Okay, so how how can you pursue church life? Here at Mercy Hill, the way we do this is in in our home groups. So home groups, let me just explain a little bit about home groups. Home groups meet once a week um, on their own to eat maybe, to share, to pray, to worship, to talk about advancing the gospel together. So they, 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 we do have meetings, okay? They do meet together once a week there. They also meet together here Sunday morning. This is a gathering of home groups, a confederation of home groups here. Okay, so there's those gatherings, but then during the week, we're drinking to the Spirit, we're loving each other, we're connecting together, we're serving each other, we're talking together, we're babysitting for each other, we're going shopping together, we're taking our kids to the park together, we're watching the 49ers and inviting our neighbors to watch this afternoon, whatever we're doing, okay? That, that's, that's what home group life is. So let me just encourage you to do two things, and then open this up for questions. First of all, remember what the starting point of all of this is? Drinking of the Holy Spirit. Drinking of the Holy Spirit. 
I would guess that some of you maybe have never experienced that because you've never really come to trust Jesus. And he wants to make himself real to you. I don't want to overstate this or understate this, but it will be real so that your heart thirsts are quenched. Your heart thirsts are finally satisfied in knowing him. And you will experience that frequently, not constantly. There's ups and there's downs, but it'll be frequent as you seek him in the word and in prayer and with other brothers and sisters and in worship and get teaching. So it's, it's absolutely vital that, that you nurture this. So like I said, some of you maybe have never experienced this. You could start today. You could start today because when you turn to trust Jesus and you repent of your independence against God and you receive him, his death on the cross paying for all your sins and his resurrection giving you life and you receive him into your life, he will pour the Holy Spirit out upon you and you will drink for the first time ever and you'll be satisfied. So that could be you. Others of you, I would, I would guess, have in the past experienced more of that and things have declined. Don't let him decline anymore. Okay? He wants to give you to drink of the Holy Spirit. See, you can't pursue church life we were talking about just because you're supposed to or because the Bible says or because you know other people want you to. It's got to be because the Holy Spirit is satisfying your hearts by making Jesus, the living Jesus, true to you. So this is where it all starts. So start there. Drink of the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, become part of a home group. Join a home group. Now, I've, I've raised the bar this morning for what that's going to look like. And you're thinking, with my schedule, with my time, join a home group and then at your own pace, grow in experiencing community. Drink of the Spirit, love, and watch the Lord grow this so that it's real. So that the things you're already doing with your time, many of them you can do with others and experience community in that way. Maybe there's some things you're doing at your time that you don't need to do anymore. The Lord will make that clear to you. He'll make that clear to you. You'll experience church life. You'll experience community. See, church, this is what you need as a believer. Every animal has its perfect habitat for thriving. This is the habitat for the follower of Jesus. This kind of church life. This is where you will thrive. So you need this. And San Jose needs this. This is the kind of believers in love and unity that San Jose needs to see. You need it. San Jose needs it. It'll bring glory to Jesus. Let's do it. Okay, so now, like, what questions did this raise? What? It's like, is that really what the passage says? Or what did you mean by that? Or I'm very excited about I mean, where the Lord... I'm so thankful for the elders that we have and and the gutsy move that they decided to take last spring, and, and radically, and I, I just want to say again, I said this last week, but I know that this is not easy, having home groups change. Okay? There's been tears amongst the elders and wives and, and in the groups, and we don't take that lightly, but church, church, the reason we're doing this is because we think that as we do this, you will experience even greater community and love as we have groups that are more centered on advancing the gospel together and more people will come to know Jesus so more people can get into this community and more glory will come to Jesus Christ. So yes, there's pain and yes, there's cost, but we believe this is what Jesus is calling us to do to bring you even more community so you thrive even more, more people get saved and he gets more glory. Oh, that's a good question. 
we would, and again, each, each home group's going to need to kind of wrestle with this and figure this out, but one of the things that struck us through the summer as we were together is that um, if you're a couple with kids, your community includes your kids, right? And so for you to be in community with other people, the most natural way to do that is to have your kids be included. Um, we don't want home group to be something that's in competition with you and, and your parenting, in fact, we want home group to be a place where you say, I want to be part of that home group because it helps my kids. My kids are meeting other adults and they're, depending on age group and everything else, but they're sharing and praying with them and we're going and we're doing evangelistic stuff together and so it gives you a way to disciple your kids as a dad or as a mom to help your kids you know, move ahead in terms of following Jesus. I'll never forget one of my children. I was in a home group. This was a while back when our kids were younger and, and a woman there worked for a... For Kaiser, she did the, the phone counseling, and she found out that she had to prescribe the night after pill as part of her procedure. And she was wrestling with whether she should quit her job or not. And I just loved having my kids, actually it's both of them, hearing her wrestle with that in our home group and deciding to do it. And then, <laughs> just how the Lord does, she got an amazingly better paying job as a result. Anyway, long story, the point is to have kids be able to see that kind of thing happening. So, I'm kind of rambling. Anyways, is that the gist of it? So we, we, would, we want to experiment and, and explore how we can integrate kids into home groups. So that may mean, you know, depending on their age, maybe having some dinner together and then being off in, with, with a babysitter. That may be how it goes for a while. Maybe worshiping together. As they get older, maybe discussing together. Maybe going as a group to mow a neighbor's lawn together so that we can show them Jesus and having them just, we're here to show them Jesus. Anyway, so we, in our groups, we want to explore that. I think that's a biblical pursuit is to be able to have families have a place where there's intergenerational fellowship taking place. Is it a sin to not live in community? Yes, I, I mean, I'd, I'd want to hear, you know, what, I, I mean, you don't want your, you don't want your, yeah, you don't want your eye taking a break from your body, right, or a hand, right, and, and I think we need to talk and say, there's obviously a need there, so first I want to hear what, what's the need, and I want to hear the need, understand the need, and say, and I'd like to help the person understand that taking a break from the body is not how to meet that need, Right? So, yeah, I think it'd be wrong to do, but it's, let's, let's help them. They've got to, but see, if, if church for them is something else than a body that's functioning this way, then, anyway, it's not good. So if you're thinking you want to take a break from the body for some reason, let's talk. Let's talk. I'm not sure that that's, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that that's not wise, okay? Because your hand, if you take a break from the body, it will not only not function, it will die. Right? We don't want you to die. I mean, I think it's sin, but again, we want to say it with compassion because if somebody says, I need to take a break, there's some problem. We want to listen, 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 and, and understand, and then speak truth. So, which is exactly what you'd have done, I know. So, yeah, the, the, what does taking a break mean? I mean, I, well, I'll answer it, okay. Um, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that, you know, that we always have to be in connection with somebody else all the time, like, you know, we're just like, uh, can I just have a little alone time here? Okay, so that's, that's not what we mean. Okay, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a loner, so I need my... This is going to sound really contradictory. I won't say that. Anyway, um, <laughs> Jesus took time where he went off to the mountain to pray. Okay, Jesus went off to the mountain to pray, but, but he never took a break from the disciples. Okay? And so, there, so yeah, you, you need to develop your own walk with the Lord in the Word and in prayer. 
but, but don't take a, a, a significant break from your brothers and sisters. So we're talking, there's a continuum there. Well, I think kids' connections is a factor, which I know, I know you mentioned. Um, so who you know, you know might be a factor. Say, Lord, I'm really close to this person. Do you want me to be with them, or do you want me to, to develop a new set of relationships? So I, I'd lay that before the Lord. Um, geography, relationships, kids. Let's just throw out, what are some other factors that you could throw in the, in the pot that you think of? I'm kind of drawing a blank here, but there may be some others that I'm... Mission. Yeah, so wh- wh- where are you called to advance the gospel? Okay, that's key. That may be geographical. It may be people group oriented. Like if there were a couple people who worked at Apple... I mean, I could see, I'm not sure it's going to happen this time, but I could see at some point an Apple home group. I don't know. <laughs> Two people. That's why we're not ready to do it quite yet. But dude, okay, let's do it, all right? Let's go, six months from now. Um, but I could totally see that happening. So that wouldn't be geographical as much as it would be you know, focused on a people group. I could see that totally happening. Okay, what else? I'm sorry? Night of the week. Well, not, yeah, When? Right, like if a group that you're closer to is meeting at a time where you just flat out can't make it, then you need to pick another group. You could share with the leader, hey, any chance you could change, but yeah, what's your schedule? What you know? Yeah, how does that work? It's 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 got to be workable for you, okay? So so all these is this is this helpful, Janie? Okay, so all these are factors, and you know the bottom line is, we just have a confidence here at Mercy Hill that that Jesus will give you the wisdom you need. He will guide you. He's so faithful to do that. And he will. But now let me, let me just move us back then to what, what's the most important step? It's drinking of the Holy Spirit. It's you knowing Jesus, trusting Jesus, letting the living Jesus, his goodness, his love, his compassion, his strength, his promises, satisfy you so that you're filled. And when that happens, you will be drawn to other people who are drinking of the Holy Spirit as well. That's the starting point. So I want us to stand, and I just want to pray that over us. Because I want more of that. Who was it that shared about their six-year-old son? Was that you? See, we all need to pray that, okay? Help me to love you more. That's just another way of saying the same thing. So let's, let's pray about that right now. Jesus, I, I pray for me and for each of us. We don't just want to gloss over the the drinking of the Holy Spirit thing. That is the foundation of church life. We cannot live the rest of 1 Corinthians 12 unless we are drinking of your Spirit. None of us are doing this enough. So Jesus, we ask, give us more of the work of the Holy Spirit. Like you promised in Luke 11, if, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will my Father who is in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we ask you for more of the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Lord, some of us need to just get back to getting time with you in your word, worshiping you, fellowshipping with you, casting all of our cares upon you. Stir that up in us, Lord, I pray. Lord, if there's some area of sin in our lives that's quenching the work of the Spirit, make that real to us, Jesus, please. Show us, Lord, anything. We say, anything, Lord, that's in the way of of the full experience of drinking of your spirit, show us what it is, Jesus. We need you to do that. We want you to do that. Our brothers and sisters need for you to do that in us. And the San Jose needs for you to do that in us. So, Lord, do that, I pray. 
We love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence here. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.